welcome to the real life show living with a chronic illness we are your hosts cassie and chelsea i'm cassie a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life and i'm chelsea i have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and every day we came together to create the spoonie hub an uplifting community that offers resources guidance support and offers you the space to be yourself be heard and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. This is Cassie and Chelsea here. Today, we have a wonderful interview with Keely Catwells. Keely is an entrepreneur and disability activist dedicated to making social, systematic, and economical change. Keely is the founder and CEO of C-Talent, Zeta Studios, and Zeta Finance. Additionally, Keeley was named one of Aries' 20 changemakers of 2020. She also sits on the D-slash-deaf and disabled committee at Equity UK and on the British Film Institute's Disability Advisory Council. Cassie and I have been fangirls of Keeley ever since we first met her. We truly love everything that she stands for, and she's just a beautiful soul, and we loved this conversation of being able to talk to her. She brings up some really, really good points of how just individuals with disabilities and chronic illnesses are portrayed through our media. We have some great conversations, and Keeley not only shares some great tips for how she takes care of herself, um, while doing all the amazing things that she does. Uh, She also gives some really great definitions of what is a chronic illness and what is a disability. So if you're looking for some fun things to check out in the episode, there's some spoilers, some teasers. Otherwise, as you're listening, if there's something that really resonates with you, reach out to us, reach out to Keely. Um, All of our Instagrams are in the show notes. Take a screenshot of the episode, tag us in your stories on Instagram or Facebook let us know what your thoughts are. It truly does mean the world to me and Cassie and our guests when we get to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So enjoy this interview with Keely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, Cassie and I have Keely Catwells with us. Hi, Keely. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, Keely is one of our fellow Airy Changemakers and we are so excited to be able to talk to her a little bit more because she's amazing and she's doing such incredible things for the disability community. So Keely, mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yes, absolutely. So I guess I will start when kind of my life changed a lot. I was very normal as a kid, very 
well, not really your average childhood. I rode a lot of horses and grew up in the countryside in England and then found a love for dance. So I moved to London and started training at a prestigious dance college in London. And it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, I just started feeling really unwell, wasn't able to eat anything and just just became a completely different person. And I remember walking into college after probably three or four months of attending the school and everyone turned their heads and I lost almost half my body weight within just a few months. And that's when kind of the judgment started, like started off with friends, started off then colleagues and teachers. And then unfortunately, worst of all, doctors. And I was misdiagnosed. They told me it was all in my head that I should try hypnotherapy. And I remember going to a hypnotherapy session and I fainted in the hypnotherapy session because I was so underweight and so malnourished. And the the hypnotherapist went, you should here have a banana, forced me to eat this banana, threw up all over his office. And he was like, you should, you should go see a doctor. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you should. (laughs) Tried it. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of the beginning of this spiral which ended up uh, me and my mom went around the country trying to find doctors that would actually do tests on me and listen and then eventually they did and I had a very rare intestinal disorder which meant that I couldn't eat anything or process any food or digest anything so I basically didn't eat for about two years um, oh my gosh. and I was constantly being rehydrated in A&E which is the equivalent of ER in the US nearly every day and um, eventually had an operation which was supposed to help and it went wrong. So then I had eight more major operations and then ended up with a permanent ileostomy, PTSD and autoimmune. Um, The best things come in threes and uh, (laughs) life kind of did get better after that. It It was weird being given a disability and my life just being like 100% better and being able to finally recover and eat and it was it was a long difficult process and then I was like I'm no way going back to dance because I've never seen anyone in the dance world with a disability never seen anyone with an ileostomy bag and everyone's wearing crop tops and like and low-waisted shorts I'm like this is just it's a bad idea um so I well, I was still kind of in and out of hospital because I was so malnourished. They had to kind of slowly build me up with food again. And um, so I started a talent agency representing actors in hospital so I could get back into the industry. And then I wanted to kind of go back into performing as well. So I tried my hand at acting, don't act anymore. And uh, I came out to L.A. when I was well enough and I uh, went up for a role, booked a big role in a movie, went in for a fitting. And then they told me in an email the next day that they couldn't hire me because during the fitting, when I tried on the bikini, they saw the ileostomy bag and they said it was going to be too unsightly for the screen and too off-putting for the audience. So crazy. So after that, I was like, (laughs) <laughs> this is probably happening to so many other people and I should change that. So I started a company that represents just deaf and disabled artists in LA. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, it's so true. Cause I don't think I've ever watched a movie 
where anyone has had like an ileostomy bag ever. No, nope. like you, I, I mean, you see people in wheelchairs, you see people on crutches, you'll see like amputees sometimes. I mean, I can't think of any. I know I'm like running head, through my head too. And I'm like, I don't have a single one that but, I can think yeah, of. Yeah. Ileostomy bag for sure. I'm like, never seen that before on television. No, it's nope. been on like Grey's Anatomy or Holby mm-hmm. City in the UK as mm-hmm. classed as the worst case scenario. And there's even been an episode where someone's killed themselves because they've had to have it, which is like the Oh, worst. that's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It's like the worst representation. And I'm like trying to educate people and be like, it saved my life. Like, yeah. It's a great thing. People yeah. are able to live because of it. It's a change, but it's not life-ending it's not like the one yeah which that's definitely what I've seen more of on social media is like people yeah. saying that it it saved their lives and they yeah. have a quality of life that they didn't have before yeah so that is awful that it's being represented in the media that way my goodness and plus it's like for that role you got one wonders why couldn't they have just like high-waisted exactly <laughs> yeah, you a high-waisted bikini or a one-piece or something and so that you yeah. could still have the role I mean Goodness. So, um, okay. So you're, you're in LA, you've started this company representing deaf and disabled actors and well, is it just actors or like performance professionals? I don't. Yeah. So we started representing behind the camera personnel as well, because oh, cool. we noticed the lack of, it's just the lack of disability representation in the industry in general, not just in front of the screen. And we think if we can change that behind the screen as well, then that will that will change things in front of the screen too. So mm-hmm. we're making a, a real big effort to have an equal number of uh, disabled artists both behind the camera and in front of the camera. Wow. And we've also started representing Paralympians as well. Oh, like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so and cool. are you doing that in just LA or do you have that in, is it in England too? Yeah, it's both in the UK and the US. That's what I thought. Okay, because with looking through your social media, I was kind of like, wait, is it both? <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. And because like, I think we have heard so many times people, like when we ask people, why did you cast an able-bodied actor in a disabled role? And they say, well, because we didn't have the time. We couldn't find anyone. There's no disabled artists out there who are talented enough and we're like yeah there is over here come hire our actors <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, look at all these people we have readily available for you that would be yep. great great additions to your gosh that's so home. interesting see like with you saying this stuff I'm like this is so obvious but to me I had never thought of them yeah casting abled people in disabled roles which happens like all the time, time. yeah but I like I haven't, I don't know why I haven't ever thought of it in the way of like, yeah, why aren't they just getting like actual people who have, you know, disabilities? Yeah. I'm a little bit bewildered. I'm thinking of, um, I haven't seen it yet, but what is it? Five feet apart? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet because I'm worried I'm going to be too emotional watching it. But because that they, neither of them have anything no there's so many and like the new upside as well and then Mm -hmm. the witches that literally came out like what yesterday and I saw your post about it and I was like yeah world that's bad that's real bad yeah my yeah our our social media has been flooded with that too and I my heart is like kind of breaking about it 
Mm-hmm. I'm so furious. And it's like, if they just hired a, people with disabilities in the production process, it would never have made its made its way past all of those different gatekeepers that have to sign off on things to screen. Like It just baffles me how they work on a film for years and then these decisions get made and there's, because there's no one authentic behind the screen, no one has the opportunity to be like, to flag it and be like, actually, that might not be right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. And it's same with like so many campaigns that come out and you're like, how did this get all the way to screen? It has to go through so many different phases. So, and that's why we've also started consulting recently um, to try and help companies have lived in experiences because I think a lot of the times it's done from good intentions. Like people want, they're trying, they're really trying. The Witches, I think, is separate. They didn't even... And for our listeners that don't know what we're talking about, it's the Witches on HBO that's based off of the Roald Dahl book and Anne Hathaway is the main character in her hands in the the movie she's got. It's it's a thumb and two fingers, correct? Yeah. Correct, Correct me if I'm wrong. And the way they're they're it's portrayed is that that's creepy and that's gross and that's wrong and so for anyone out there that maybe doesn't have the quote-unquote normal nothing is normal but like doesn't have five fingers with or four fingers and a thumb that it just it's representing them in a very inaccurate way yeah Mm -hmm. and and it's inaccurate to the book and the meaning behind the book as well and that's what kind of people are saying is like why did they Hollywood this this way yeah um because it's not even true to Roald Dahl's original intention because when I saw first saw it popping up well when I first heard about the witches or whatever like I love Anne Hathaway I loved Roald Dahl as I was growing up and so I was like oh my gosh this is gonna be great and then um you know that first I saw the first image of it popping up and yeah this post about how it's like this was done so wrong it's Mm -hmm. so offensive Um, it's so insensitive and I started looking into it and it was just like, oh my gosh, what happened? It's, you know, it's terrible. And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, it just, it reinforced, especially for advocates who have been trying so hard for so many years to change things like this. It's such a setback because I think there has been a lot of progress that's been made and there's been amazing people who have made changes, but just something like this you're like and especially for something that's made for intentionally made for younger audiences and for mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. like what is that gonna tell people and tell kids is yeah so frustrating <laughs> yeah it that's a great point of getting that younger generation because I mean I know that um like my son went to a socially distanced Halloween birthday party the other night it was outside they had masks on there was only like four kids um, and all kids are in very uh, safe, like people. It wasn't a, like a party, just putting that out there. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, when I went and picked him up, he was like, oh, this kid, Luke was there um, who he's played with online, uh, like Xbox video games or whatever. He's a friend of a friend. He's like, I played with him online and stuff, but, and he's like, you know, and he just got done having brain surgery. He wasn't at school for the last few months of the year last year and then the last few months because he's been recovering from brain surgery and oh fuck was it heart surgery oh my god 
It was heart it was surgery. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was alarming for him because he's right. only, my son's only 12. So this was seventh grade. It was heart surgery because I said, oh, well, you know, how, how did he do it? Like the party and everything. And he's like, well, you know, we were playing tag. And of course he didn't like run around and play tag with us, but they tried to like include him and they would come over and kind of like tag him, you know, on the, on the chair and everything like that. And I was just really proud that this little group of friends, you know, made him feel a part of what they were doing. And of course they all took these like huge precautions with COVID so that he could also be there at the party and be involved. And, um, but it's like, that's not normal. You know, so many kids Mm -hmm. at school, if they have one little thing like, okay, Cobra Kai on Netflix. I don't know if anyone's watching Cobra Kai, but my son's had me watch Cobra Kai with him. And the kid has a scar on his lip. And the whole first season, the whole first half of the first season is them talking shit on this kid with the scar on their lip. And I like turned to my son and was like, is this a real thing? Does this really happen at school that something like a scar from a surgery of a cleft lip is like being, people are being treated that way. And, um, I mean, he kind of nodded his head and he's like, yeah, that is how it goes. But he's I not mean, like I that. I remember middle school as people were very mean. <laughs> and I don't think it's helpful to have examples of, hey, that's okay to be mm-hmm. mean. Um, I think kind of that, that, that bully that, oh, there's something different about you. We're going to put you down for it. I yeah, think examples out there too much. It makes you really sad. Yeah, just yeah. accepting people. Yeah, it's so sad. And it's like the power of the media has such an opportunity to correct that and change mm-hmm. that. Like, and I think everyone's realized, especially during COVID, everyone's turned to ever- entertainment. Everyone's watched some form of TV and film during this time. And it's like, what are, what are the messages that are being shared from there, even subconsciously? Like, we mm-hmm. can change these things through the power of the media. Yeah. Because kids don't learn these things from, you know, they're not born with these thoughts in their brain. It's like, mm-hmm. they've learned them from either their parents, the media, or, you know, where else? It's, yeah. This, yeah, absolutely. And so um, with, oh my God, I just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you, Keely. Thank you, Chelsea. So, this is obviously a really big issue um, that is impacting a lot more people than I think most of the world would really realize. Um, I'm sure we'll start talking more about invisible disabilities um, as we continue chatting with you, because um, that's a big thing that you do is advocating for people with invisible disabilities or visible disabilities. So what are some things that um, you would recommend our listeners do to kind of help this advocating process? Like, are there certain resources that they can use to share with others? Are there certain things that they could say? Are there petitions that they can sign? Are there organizations that they can talk to, to help increase kind of the I don't know what the right word or phrase, but kind of increase the diversity within our media. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I think it's, like, where does it start? It's so difficult to feel, to find out like, where it actually starts. And I think one of the places where it's, there's so much power is obviously politics and policies mm-hmm. and things surrounding like, like pay, for instance. Like I know in the USA, there's a policy called the 14C, and I'm not well-versed in law or politics, anything to do with that. But this law and this policy makes it legal for people with disabilities to be paid sub-minimum wage. They're the only minority, the only... Wait, 
What? Yeah. <laughs> what? I know. Even when That's bullshit. ADA, it's crazy. Even when the ADA was put in place, this policy was still around and okay and legal. So there are people with disabilities working for public companies working for 75 cents an hour. And it's illegal. And it's we're the only minority in the world that in the USA that is able to work for sub-minimum wage. How the hell is what that still a law? I know. And no one really knows about it. So Biden did tweet about it um, a couple of weeks ago. And he said, apparently, if he's elected, he will uh, phase out the 14C. But well, it, for our listeners, we're currently recording this on the day <laughs> after the election. We don't have results yet. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool. so it was initially put in place in, I think it was 1938, to encourage employers to hire people with disabilities. And the encouragement was they only had to be paid like 75 cents an hour. And I'm like completely in shock right now. And that's still in place. That's still in place. Still legal. Uh, also, wow. like, what a horrible... <laughs> thing to do back then i mean thinking of all of like the war veterans who were disabled at that time and then they're like hey hire them um but you only have to pay pay them them. nothing yeah Yeah. what the i had no idea this is very this is not that is that's that's awful yeah yep that's awful (laughs) it's terrible okay well now i want to write to my representatives (laughs) being like yo this needs to change Mm-hmm. This makes me even more grateful. And this is what I was going to say when I lost my train of thought, people. <laughs> but um, this is even more why Aerie is such a great brand to partner with because their website is full of inclusivity mm-hmm. and disabled people and models. And um, I just, your partnership with them is like so aligned. It's so perfect. And I'm I'm really excited that you um, are a change maker because that's because they're one of the that's that's what we said to Ari too in like the interviews and stuff was I was like there's not another company out there that I know right now who is so inclusive and that was something that drew me into like trying their clothes and this is not an Ariad we are not sponsored by this by Ari for this episode I mean maybe who knows maybe we could be better <laughs> but. Um, it did when I would like look at their clothing, it did make me feel like, especially like their their panties and their bras, mm-hmm. their lingerie, their comfy clothes. It made me feel like, oh my gosh, wait, I can feel happy and cute and comfy and sexy in these clothes despite what's going on with my body. Um, because they show it like that. So shout out again to Aerie. We really do love you. And but luckily, actually lately, my social media has been full of all of this inclusive fashion, um, like slow slow fashion and inclusive disabled um, fashion, like bras that button diff or that uh, clasp differently, zippers in different places, underwear that clasps on the side. I mean, I had never seen any of that kind of stuff before. So there's definitely like some, there's, there's a little bit of a movement happening this year. And I, I'm hoping that maybe part of it could have been like in the beginning when COVID happened and it was like self-isolation, there was such a, a social media movement of all of us spoonies being like, yeah, this is what it's like for us. Like all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Having to say no to our friends, we can't hang out or spending so much time in home or et cetera. Like welcome to our lives. I definitely saw a huge wave of that. And so maybe 
maybe we're getting a little bit more of a voice. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that far reaching? Is that just me being optimistic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think so. I I definitely do think it's brought attention to that for sure. And I think with Airy as well and the clothing brands, and I think it's really great to see like intersectionality as well. Like not just having a cisgendered white person with a disability, like actually seeing people of color who are LGBTQ who have a disability because I think a lot of the times in the media as well, you know, it's often like, oh, that's too much. We can't have too many minorities in one person because that's not, and it's like, yep, they're there, we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's super important as well. And um, yeah, Neri are doing a great job of that for sure. I remember seeing the person with the um, with the colostomy bag and I like literally cried mm-hmm. <laughs> when I saw that. It was amazing to see for sure. We're so lucky to be partnering with them. So what is it, what does a day kind of like look like for you, Keely, with your with your managing and running these two companies representing three companies. You have three, three companies. Right, Keely? Yes. Yeah. Shit. We- <laughs> Did I get that wrong? Wait, tell us, tell us what it's all about. What your day is like and these three companies. Sure. So I usually wake up at around five, five thirty in the morning because I work on a lot of different time zones. Uh, mm-hmm. So mainly the UK and the US. So if I wake up at five, it's uh, about one in the afternoon in the UK. So it gives me enough time to speak to people in the UK and do Zooms with people in the UK. Um, and then I start my US work usually around 9am. Uh, so I've had like a good chunk to do UK stuff um, and fit those in because so Zeta Studios is the other company and we only incorporated that in January of this year. And the idea came from seeing the lack of access to film and TV studios. And I felt like that was a big excuse as well for companies because they didn't want to pay for um, any adaptations to their space. So I wanted to build the world's first fully accessible studio for people with disabilities. And it's going to be for everyone but it will be so accessible for like cognitive access, communication access, sensory access, physical access, all of the things that people forget about. And it will just make it so easy for these big companies to hire people. So we partnered with a landowner in April and then put in planning permission for this studio. And we hear back on the 19th of November if we've got that planning permission to build this studio. So Oh. Fingers and toes crossed. <laughs> and it's, that's, and so that's, in, that's in London. Yeah, that's going to be in the UK. It's just outside of London. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in the UK because of the need for studio space in the UK. Because uh, Netflix have got a long lease at Pinewood and um, other big companies have basically got huge leases with studios. There's not enough space for other companies to film stuff. Interesting. Um, yeah, so working on that um, and then and just working with clients and we're currently expanding as well. The management company, we want to open up departments uh, like the sports department for our Paralympians, um, like producer department, writer department. So hopefully in the new year, we're going to be able to kind of open those and really expand, um, expand and build out here. Um, but yeah, a day is very different and it also mm-hmm. is very different depending on how I'm feeling and like autoimmune is a bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you just never know. And it's difficult when you just can't plan anything. It's yeah. It's so incredibly difficult. 
That's, that's totally like a dilemma that I've been really running into is making plans. Yeah. I feel very like, I don't want to make a plan beyond like that day or maybe yeah. even like the next day, <laughs> like Chelsea and I have plans to have lunch outside, outside <laughs> on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have to cancel those plans, but it was kind of like, I, we, I, I'm we like, I penciled it in. We penciled in. It's pen- penciled in. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, regardless, I was probably going to go because Chelsea and I don't ever get to see each other in person because of COVID. We talk all the time, all day long, but we don't <laughs> hang out in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling like I need that like vibe. Chelsea, I miss you. I feel like oh. I need that vibe. We need our energy together. <laughs> yes, we were like talking goals and end of the year before we got on this call. And it made me feel like we need our energy to mesh together. You know, when you have that with people, that's something that really does like, it, it, it matters. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So the thought of having a plan, like having to work in the morning on Friday in person, teaching Pilates, and then going to lunch is like, well, this is too much, you know, (laughs) like, what am I thinking? And even like my supervisor wanted to make a meeting tomorrow. And I'm like, that's just, that's too many plans. And so many things in one week. Yes, that's how it feels. And so it's kind of nice. It's refreshing to hear that someone like you who has so much ambition and so much going on that it's like, you can kind of be changing the world from bed, you know? Yep. And, um, which might be the name of my book. Okay. (gasps) People. So so no one take it right now. Who's listening to this? (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, so it's just really inspiring because it's like, wait, we can all like still pursue the things we love and make a difference in the world. And here you are doing what you're doing from your apartment, not only because of chronic illness, disability, et cetera, but COVID, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to hear, I mean, two things. I want to hear a little bit more about your personal journey and your ileostomy and kind of what that was like recovering, but I also do want to hear what it's like for maybe some of the people you're representing and what their experiences are in the world. Yeah. I don't know which one to start with, but I wanted to say that out loud before I lost my train of thought again. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I think also like that's the joy of being an entrepreneur and being able to have your own businesses and do your own things because you can delegate. And if you can't do something one day, you can delegate to someone else and they can do it for you. And you can be on your own schedule and on your own time and make it work for you. And that's, it's equally hard at the same time because you're like, how am I going to pay for my next medical supplies? (laughs) But it's, it's good at the same time. I think it's for me, it's worked out so much better than having to work for someone who wouldn't let me work from home, wouldn't let me go to my appointments, wouldn't let me do all of those things. And also wouldn't let me make the change that I wanted to implement and wouldn't make their company accessible. So it's like, you can do all of the thing. It just makes life a lot better. Um, Yeah, I think, and going off that, like my experience of, I think when you're misdiagnosed and when people are constantly telling you that, you're not ill, it's all in your head, you're attention seeking, and that you should just go and rub rosemary on your tummy and eat turmeric, then finally being told that there's an operation that can make you better or make your life a little bit better, that is, it was equally petrifying at the same time as so like rewarding in a way of being like, this is finally, I can actually have a life. 
-hmm. and I don't have to hide literally hide away and not see anyone because I when I'm sick I don't see anyone I don't want anyone seeing me sick I don't want anyone being around me which is probably a really bad way to be but for me that was my coping mechanism because I just hated people seeing me of what I thought was weak and it's not weak it's just a way of being but it is difficult to be around people in that Mm -hmm. situation so when I got the ileostomy it was a huge change and I was not supported still by the system that's supposed to support you the most they did not tell me how I'm meant to eat how because coming from not being able to eat for three years and then suddenly having an ileostomy where I'm supposed to be able to eat is like you need help retraining on how to eat things. I was just so thrown. Um, But I remember coming out of hospital, it was Christmas the next day I came out of hospital and you're sitting around this Christmas table with like food on the table and you're meant to be grateful and you're meant to be able to enjoy all this food. And you're like, I just, I don't know what to do with myself. So that was the hardest part. And I think getting used to a new body and a new way of living and also figuring out like where am I going to get these medical supplies do they just arrive at my door or do I have to order them or how many do I need am I going to run out do they are they free how do I sign up yeah it's a huge shift um but you slowly figure it out and I think now I look at it more as like it's just like contact lenses you get used to them you figure out how you wear them you figure out where you get them um but yeah it's it's a massive change Um, And especially like, I remember getting on an airplane for the first time. I'm like, is the bag going to inflate? Do I, what is, what happens when I get on an airplane? Oh my gosh, (laughs) does does anything happen? No, nothing happens. (laughs) Absolutely nothing happens. But I was so scared. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it is weird. Like I had a big scare the other day because I just, my mom sends me my supplies from the UK to the US because I can't get them out here. And they got stopped at customs and they were investigated for like three weeks. I think I had like three more bags left. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Oh, and no. it makes you realize how reliant you are on medical supplies. Oh goodness. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a huge point. And so how long, because um, I felt we follow a lot of people with ostomy bags mm-hmm. and um, I definitely know like with Crohn's disease, I mean, that could end up being in my future like without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have really enjoyed some of the accounts and people that we found that talk about what it is real life to live with, with, to live with an ostomy bag. Mm -hmm. And like one thing, all the photos I saw was, you know, like a very flat bag. And then like someone posting a picture of like, the bag gets full, you know? (laughs) And like, I was kind of like, oh yeah, of course it would be, you know, but like (laughs) no one's posting that or something. And so, um, yeah, that kind of thought of like, um, on an airplane, I, I wonder if I mean, I would probably think the same thing, you know? So I'm so glad that you mentioned that and the supplies. I mean, I don't know if I thought about that either. Yeah. You have to find it out. Cause you're right. Like the, the medical system doesn't exactly say here's a how to guide on, Oh, Chelsea, how to guides, by the way. <laughs> on- well, I just, it kind of blew my mind. Like as you compared it to contacts, like I have contacts. Yeah. I know the first time that I got it, like I went in for an appointment and they showed me like how to put them in. And yes, it was only a 15 minute figure it out with some help. And then they were like, you can practice on your own, but at least I knew that, okay, well, 
here's the boxes of contacts that I have. It's going to run out in a year. Oh, I go back to the doctor's office and then the eye doctor checks my eyes and then I get another like set of boxes. Mm -hmm. So it just, I guess it's something that I wouldn't have thought of, uh, of that they're probably not really specific on stuff like that. Where do you find it? How much does it cost? Is it free? Like, and that's, it is something that I think should be information more readily available. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember they were like, because they they don't tell you as well that like leaks happen. You're not going to use the same amount of bags per day or per week. And then just trying to have to figure that out on your own. And I remember the first thing I did was Google it and Google what it was. I didn't even know what it was when I told when I was told that I was going to have one. And then literally like the next week I had it. So I Googled like, what the hell is this thing? And it comes up with these really terrible pictures and gruesome pictures online. Why does Google always go to like the most extreme mm-hmm. version of everything? Because you're like, okay, well, it could be this horror story. Yeah. But most of them won't be mm-hmm. the extreme of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was on a ward because you're put on a gastro ward. And obviously on a gastro ward, there's pretty much only old people. And you're like... I'm basically an old person now. Like, what happens? Why Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. And so, like, social media is an amazing place because you can find the people that are your similar age and you can connect with people. And that was a huge realization for me. Like, I'm not the only one. There are other people mm-hmm. out there uh, that my age, and it's not like I'm going to be living on that gastro ward. So it was, <laughs> it was really helpful. Yeah, social media. I mean, that's definitely something that is a common thread between everyone that we talk to is the connection that social media offered for all of us chronically ill or disabled chronic conditions. Like it's, it's huge. Um, That's how it was for me too. Um, And so for like clothing and stuff, do you, are you able to wear, you know, like tight pants or do you have to be careful with what you buy for clothing? Yeah, so I thought when I first got it that I was going to just have to wear big baggy jumpers for the rest of my life. And that is not the case at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything high-waisted is perfect. Um, I can still wear low-waisted things, but it's just pretty uncomfortable. So anything high-waisted is great. Like high-waisted underwear and then low-waisted like shorts is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. And like, everyone's confidence levels are different. Like I personally won't choose to show my bag or show it off. Just, I just don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. Other people do. But for me, like just high-waisted uh, leggings, high-waisted sports, yoga leggings, mm-hmm. um, tight tops, tight dresses. And a lot of the time people will be like, oh, I never even knew. I never even noticed until you say something. Yeah. Because like, I think you notice it way more than other people do. Mm-hmm. And you think about it way more and you're so much, and everyone's thinking about themselves. Like everyone's worried about something that they're self-conscious about. And yeah. a lot of the times everyone's like, nah, I would never have even known. And yeah, like, that's the thing. Yeah. And so are you able to eat almost anything at this point? Yeah. You know, I've still got a lot of trauma from like three years of not being able to eat and also doctors telling you like don't eat milk rice wheat anything just don't eat anything and I was like what can I eat like literally air was all I could Mm -hmm. eat so kind of I'm still in that phase of like I'm scared of a few things but I'm sure I'm actually able to eat them Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
but that confidence has definitely been growing. And even just in the past year, um, it's been much better. And now I can pretty much eat anything other than like corn, popcorn, <laughs> anything. Else. Yeah, I can't do that either. And how long have you had your ileostomy? So I got it placed in 2017. Oh, and okay. Then I had it revised in 2018. Um, I had a couple of issues and a few other things go wrong. So I had a couple more operations in my last operation was in late 2018, just before I came to the U S. Okay, cool. It's just, it's nice for, you know, for our listeners to get to hear. Cause I mean, I know that I've listened to so many podcasts and been like, Oh my gosh, this person is like me, you <laughs> know? And so I want our listeners to hear your story and then mm-hmm. be inspired with how much you're accomplishing, you know, with your life. I mean, it's inspiring to me for sure. Thank you. I know when I found out that you had not only like your C talent business, but you've got two other ones as well as um, myself, I have multiple different line of like businesses going on. And sometimes I think I'm crazy for having more than one thing that I'm focusing on at a time, but it's okay to have multiple passions. And so when I, when I saw like, Oh, you have three businesses too. I was like, all right, well, if Keely can do it, I can do it too. And I thought that was incredibly inspiring as well. Oh, thank you. I think disability and chronic illness and all of that teaches you so much for business. It's like, it teaches you leadership, um, empathy, confidence, and it really teaches you how to fight. So I think for me, it's been the biggest asset. Like I never went to business school. I barely went to school. I think I went like two times in a week. Like I just hated it so much. (laughs) I never learned anything in school. I think my disability has taught me more than I ever would have learned in college or university. Oh, that's amazing. That's so inspiring. Oh, Chelsea, you're going to ask a question. So one thing I know is I think Cassie and I, for the purposes of kind of like our content, use the term like chronic illness, chronic conditions a lot. And I hear you use disability a lot. So I was Mm -hmm. wondering if you kind of had a definition for disability, if you have a definition for chronic illness, if you have a way that you maybe separate them in your mind or if they are the same thing. Um, It's a conversation Cassie and I have had a lot of, Mm -hmm. well, how do we make sure that we're being inclusive? How do we make sure that we're also honoring individuals experiences and not lumping everything together into one. So I would love to hear yeah, it's a great question. your thoughts are on those different terms and those words. Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think everyone identifies differently. There's no one way to, mm-hmm. to pinpoint someone's experience. And there's no like one person with a disability or one person with a chronic illness can't speak on behalf of the entire community. And I think, like, I don't even know. No one teaches you these things. No one, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you come out of hospital, no one's like, you have a disability. No one tells you directly. So you're like, you kind of got to figure it out. I think when I have, like, flares of autoimmune, I'm like, I have a chronic illness. And then every day living with an ileostomy, I'm like, I have a disability. So for me, that's why, that's mm-hmm. how I kind of see the two. Um But also, again, it took me a while to even realize or think about having a disability. I was like, do I? Am I classed as that? Mm -hmm. And then when you're like, okay, so I do have to rely on medical supplies. I do need a disabled bathroom. I need a lot of different accommodations. I'm like, okay, so I guess I do. And I'm going to have this forever and it's permanent. Then I guess I do. And then with autoimmune, it's like, it's, it's, or it's like, changing forever changing and it's chronic and it's different all the Mm -hmm. time 
And I think that's what makes it different. But again, I don't know. I think it's such a good question. I think you've put that really way, really, yeah. really well um, in a really good way. The medical supplies, the disabled bathroom. I mean, like, see, this is just where, okay. So one of the things I also love about our show and getting to talk to people and everything like you is because there's all these things that we do living with a disability or illness or whatever that you don't actually think about how that is different to other people. For example, like you mentioning a disabled bathroom, um, like I didn't always, I haven't liked using public bathrooms for quite some time because of my Crohn's and I don't ever know what's going on, et cetera. Um, but like ever since my fistula surgery and I have a seton tube down there, I really do need to use the public bathroom because I have to mess with moving that tube around and I mm-hmm. want to be able to like wash my hands right away, or mm-hmm. I'm having to put a cream or a solve down there. And so um, even just, and like, even just that thought, yeah, that, that classes as a disability, Yeah, you know? And so looking at those, those things. And then, like you said, with, with your autoimmune stuff, and that's more of an illness chronic thing that you deal with every day. Um, yeah. I think you answered that really well. I, I also really liked that you have given yourself the opportunity to define yourself and your experience, how you want to. And I think your answer also allows everyone else to, to define their own experience in their way because it is their experience Mm -hmm. and no one else gets to tell you what that is and what that means or what to call it. And so I think that, yeah, a lot of these terms can be in some ways interchangeable at times. I don't want to say in every instance, can you just interchange them? But I like that you answered that in a way where people get to pick for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great point too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would still love to hear a little bit about, um, like, what maybe some of the people that you're representing, what their experiences are like, um, how that's going, you know, as actors or performance people in the UK and the US, and are people getting jobs? Like, just what, tell us a little bit more about that, because I am I know I'm definitely curious. Yeah, oh, they're incredible. And I've seen such a difference in the past, I would say in the past year, of how they're being hired and there's been a lot more questions from employers rather than doubts which has been really nice to see and like there's been a lot more um knowledge around oh so they don't they have a disability but the role specifies that they don't have to have a disability but we can still see them and they can still be in this role if they're talented and all of that and a lot of the times when they're seen for roles like that, they're always cast because I think employers in the industry, they want something different and they don't quite know what that different is. And they choose different people to see like of different hair colors of all different, but then they actually see a different culture and they're like, this is what we want. They implement mm-hmm. their culture into this role without it having to be specifically written for someone with a disability. And I think that is so thrilling and liberating to see and like we've got a client who's just booked a recurring role on a Hulu series just as of this week, which is really exciting. Awesome. And he's deaf and the role doesn't specify that he had to be deaf. And we've got a conversation with the executive producer today to educate them on how on their accommodations and what they need and how they're going to do best. And that is such a great conversation that they've only realized that they wanted after he got cast in the role, not before. And I think that is such a great thing to see. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. 
a lot of the negative things that we see is like clients having to drag wheelchairs up the stairs to just get into the audition room. Um, a lack of uh, employers actually wanting to pay for interpreters and thinking that they sh- the the deaf person should or us should pay for that ourselves, not them. That's very frustrating. Um, but I think on a whole, it's people just a lack of knowledge, a lack of even thinking about it. So it's just us bringing it to their attention and then they're pretty open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment in the UK, the main casting database just released their new uh, their new website and how it's going to be. And unfortunately, they've actually implemented a category where they've said they, you can literally tick a box. The casting people can tick a box and say that they don't want to audition anyone with a disability, which is illegal. <laughs> so things like that is huh. like steps backwards. And we're currently working with them to try and change that. Mm-hmm. Um well, and and that, things. That, that's so sad because to me, by saying like, oh, I don't want someone, I don't want to audition someone with a disability. Well, one, as we just discussed, disability can be a very, very wide variety of things. Like that can mean, okay, well, we don't want to audition you, Keely. And if anyone's listening to this and has not seen Keely's Instagram, it's linked in the show notes and go look at it. You, Keely, you don't like, you don't look like you have a disability yeah. at first sight. You fall into that category of true invisible disability. No one would ever know, as you mentioned, some of your friends have said, people that you've been around have said. And so that just means that those people, by just checking that one box, could just not even have the opportunity to talk to someone like you where your your disability isn't visible. It's not mm-hmm. like the, I don't know, the I don't even know what the right phrasing would be of this, but it, it's not that like, oh, well, they're blind or they're deaf, which are things that I don't want to say are like more challenging disabilities because I think all disabilities have their own stuff. You would just um, need potentially an extra person for interpreting. Yeah. For yeah. And so I just, that just, it makes me really sad that like that they're right away just like, okay, well, we're going to take all this, this amazing group of people that could be the exact thing, that little mm-hmm. bit of difference that we're looking for. And we're just going to not even, we're not even yeah. try. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating. And we're not asking people to, hire people with disabilities just for the sake of hiring them and people who are not talented, like hire them if they're talented for the role and they work for the role and they're mm-hmm. actually good at what they do. Like but, give them a chance. Yeah. Audition them and look at their talents. Don't look at their individualities that you think is going to be a challenge for you. Like mm-hmm. don't put that, don't make it your problem. You know, it's, it shouldn't be. It's, just different. So with it being illegal, are they <laughs> going to get away with it or is, are steps being taken to like take that off? Yes. So steps are being <laughs> taken. We yeah. are on the uh, committee for deaf and disabled for equity UK, which is an incredible, which is like the equivalent of SAG after in the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like the union of the UK for the media and we're working with them to change it. They have made a statement to say that they are sorry. Um, well, we yeah. they apologize. <laughs> they it's, the, it's the start, right? Mm-hmm. But what frustrates me is when companies don't follow up those statements with integrity. It's like they don't implement change. They just make the statement to say that they're sorry and then don't take the actions. And they still mm-hmm. won't audition the individual disabilities that may be the absolute perfect fit. Yeah. 
or would it will stop things like from the witches happening where yeah. Anne Hathaway's character that like as you said at the beginning should never have happened and they're gonna miss out on probably a lot of people watching certain media because people are like nope I'm, I don't support that yeah mm-hmm. and there's a huge market like I think the disability industry is worth like one point something trillion which is a huge number it's got massive buying power and people are missing out on that opportunity mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was that high of you know an industry or whatever yeah I think if you incorporate everyone's families and people who are associated with them the buying power is massive yeah. absolutely massive well that's one thing I know Cassie and I try to spread awareness on is there's actually a lot more people out there in the world that have illnesses that have disabilities that have chronic conditions than most people have any idea about like if you don't have an illness yourself or don't have a disability you probably know multiple people in your life that do whether or not they've chosen to share that with you and I think that was one thing that we also talked about in our area interview Cassie was they were like why should we pick you and we're like so the number of people that have chronic illnesses is really big. <laughs> so if you show that you're supporting that, that population, that demographic, and that's going to go really far. Yeah. And I think yeah, we the same that. thing is like going back to the witches example. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that movie anymore. I'm not going to subscribe to HBO. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Or if they would have maybe gone a little bit different route, then that yeah. they would get a lot more support. Yeah. I know I don't want to watch it now. I know. Yeah. Like, same. Never mind. That's not something I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great point, Chelsea. That's a great point. Like how much, how many more people, like that little thing of just including someone with mm-hmm. a chronic condition or disability, how far that takes this company or brand like in with all of us, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like when COVID was going on and then it was like some of these restaurants were like, Oh, we had a positive employee. So we've closed for two weeks. I mean, I know that at that time I was like, well, those are the restaurants I want to give my money to, to support, you know, um, especially the little local places. Cause it's like, they're being careful. They are keeping, um, you know, the majority of the population and the, the vulnerable, like they're keeping all of us in mind, now I know that now we're thicker, deeper into the pandemic that I don't know how many places are shutting down anymore with that stuff. So this was in the beginning that it's kind of that same concept is like, yeah, if you include some of us, it, it takes you a really long way. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. It does. Yeah. It's key. This yeah. has been such a great conversation. I, I'm so glad that we got to talk to you. Like we have so enjoyed messaging and learning about your project um I selfishly like Chelsea and I both just could not wait to like chat with you (laughs) Uh, thank you guys so much I you are just amazing and what you are doing is changing so many people's lives and I appreciate you bringing a community together and really empowering people it's amazing absolutely amazing thank you so much thanks Keely so as we're wrapping up um I would love for you to share two things one, how people can connect with you on the internet. And then because you are such a, I don't want to use the word busy, but you've got lots of things on your plate on top of taking care of yourself. If you want to give what either like your top three, your top favorite tip for being able to kind of take care of yourself is. So how people find you on the internet and then that's kind of self-care tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so internet, good old Instagram, uh, Keely Catwells, just very simple. 
and I pretty much only really do Instagram. I kind of don't do the Twittery thing. I look at it, but don't really do I it. don't get Twitter. I can't. It's confusing. It. It's too much. I don't even know if we're going to ever try it. <laughs> no. 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 If anyone wants us to have a Twitter account that is listening, can you volunteer to do it for us? Because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, same. Completely agree. Uh, and you can also follow our see talent, uh, see talent Instagram too. Um, we post a lot of kind of what's happening in the media and uh, some tips and just um, highlight our clients' voices as well in there. So that's a pretty interesting one. And then three tips for keeping well and uh, self-care. I think it's just like recognizing when you've got too much on your plate and recognizing your like I always used to look for red flags within my own health. Like, am I going to flare? What What are my signs of that? How can I stop that from happening? So instead of looking for the red flags, look for the amber ones. And that's helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I like and that. Then, I like that. Yeah, it's it's really important because once you get to like, for me, once I get to that red light place, it takes it's me a good week late. or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. it takes me a long time to be able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one would be connect with people that love you because I think once when you've got a chronic illness it's so easy to have those destructive thoughts and be like I'm not good enough I'm not doing enough and I'm not loved I'm on my own and all those horrible thoughts and a lot of the time none of it is true and just hearing that from someone that loves you a lot can really help mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's the third awesome. one would be just get fresh air that helps a lot and also like have gratitude and not just the type of gratitude that you find in books, which is like fluffy, like real gratitude. That's definitely helpful. Those are really good for being put on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. This conversation has been fantastic. Uh, listeners take a screenshot of the episode, wherever you're listening on it, tag us at the real Spoonies unite and Keely at Keely Catwell's. And let us know what your thoughts were about the episode. And yeah. Yay. Thank you, Keely. Yay. Thank you so much. Love you guys. We love you. We love you too. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co, where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.